My name is Joshua Dysinger. I'm from Middle Tennessee. We have a farm there, Bountiful Blessings Farm. Yeah, so we're just going to go over the, the ways that we um, try to control the animal pests. You know, we're, we're not going to be talking about insect pests. We're talking about um, mammal pests mostly, you know, birds and um, rabbits, raccoons, possums, any of that kind of stuff. So that's mostly what we're going to be focusing on and just how we've, um, how we've dealt with that on our farm. So, um, in my mind, the number one um, pest control that I feel like always should be where you start is fencing. It's just the easiest and the most, you know, overall, um, yeah, it just does the best overall job. So, they've got your permanent fencing and like a movable fencing. So we're going to go over um, spending most of our time on on the fencings. So um, permanent fencing seem you know when you think about it, it seems like okay, it's going to be the easiest thing. You just put up a fence, um, and it's kind of a one and done kind of thing. You're you got your fence up, um, and it uh, it can keep all the pests out of your area. Um, so the pros to permanent fencing would be, obviously, if built correctly, um, you can fully protect your whole area. Now, when I say built correctly, it has to be built very well. So um, all the way to the ground with, you know, like a, a maybe two-by-four um, wire meshing or something like that. Something small, obviously, so your rabbit and stuff can't get through. All the way to the ground, ideally like a hot wire close to the bottom so you don't have stuff trying to dig. Maybe a hot wire mid-range, you don't have stuff crawling over. I mean, it's got to be a very a very thorough fence to really completely keep stuff, you know, because raccoons, possums, anything that can climb a tree is going to be able to climb any fence you put up unless it's got a hot wire. So, um... Yeah, that's what I mean by a correctly built. Um, and then, yeah, so the other pro is that it's a one-time build, so you put up your fence and you're done. It's a one-time build, one-time expense. And I was talking about it with my dad, and to me, like, in theory, it sounds like, for sure, the easiest, easiest way to go. But we've found when we really, when we really get, you know, really think about it and think about all this maintenance and stuff, it's potentially not, um, not the most appealing. So those are the, those are the two pros I have. The cons, um, limits your driving access around your farm and slows you having to open and close gates. So for us, um, unless we just had like a massive fence that was around our whole packing shed, growing area, just everything... Um, it would really, it, if we just had fence around our fields, it would really hinder getting around because we, you know, we come into our fields at the top. We, you know, we've got little like drive little roads between all of our fields um, on a grid, and so we can go wherever we want. Um, and having having a fencing around that would hinder, you know, you have to go in through your gate and out through your gate and stuff like that. Um, and this this also really 
is going to work best for someone that's got a very uh, close together growing area. You know, if you're if you're in a place where your terrain or whatever um, causes you to have you know some fields here, some fields here, and you're kind of spread out, it's going to be really hard to get a, a good permanent fencing around everything. So it's going to be ideal. Um, if your fence is pretty, I mean, if your growing area is pretty close together. Um, and then another con is that it has to be maintained regularly. And if you've ever had a permanent fencing and tried to maintain it without spraying it, it's, you know, it's pretty difficult, especially one that goes all the way to the ground because you can't, like, shoot, you know, go along with the weed eater right under it because you're, you know, you're hitting that. You don't have any gap underneath there. Um, if you've got hot wire on it, any... Anything that grows up and you know hits your hot wire is going to be grounding you out. Um, so you get some get some grass growing up around it and stuff, and pretty soon your hot wire is not going to be doing anything. So it uh, it takes a lot of maintenance. Also, you know if you don't have hot wire and you've got you know you don't stay on top of the maintenance at much, and you get like honeysuckles and stuff growing up, it um, it will. You know, not super quickly, but relatively quickly, just start breaking down your fence. And it's just, you know, it's um, the weight pulling on it. And then you've got, you know, trees and stuff growing right through your fence that stuff can just crawl over. And it kind of just starts um, defeating the purpose of that. So um, maintenance is a really big thing with a permanent fence. And that's that's something, because we've got permanent fencing... Um, for some of our livestock stuff, and it's something that we still haven't fully um, come to a good like solution with, um, because the really the solution is some is a spray, you know, that you can just you know have your tank on your four wheel or whatever and just go along and spray your line. But it's it's kind of difficult to find um, an organic spray that really works. So we're we haven't if you know if we had a if we had a good solution with that it would it would definitely definitely help but something we're still we're still trying to figure out the other con to a permanent fencing is it's very expensive um, you know because you're gonna have to be doing something that's if you got deer um, that's really tall you know seven or eight feet and so it's gonna be a it's gonna be a pretty large expense to put up a permanent fencing um, that's that size. So what this is this is what we have what we have uh, concluded with for fencing is a non permanent permanent movable fencing. Um, so the pros to that are that it's quick um, and easy to put up. We how our farm is laid out. Most of our growing area that we're fencing is in uh, thirty by a hundred plots with like a. 12-foot um, kind of drive path in between. So there, it's in a field, um, two, um, two plots thick just beside each other, and there's a uh, 12-foot driving path in between both directions. Um, so when we fence, we're only fencing one 30 by 100 plot. Um, and we don't, we fence the things that we have found are you know, especially um, 
susceptible to like deer. Mostly what we're fencing for is deer. Um, so our strawberries are something we always have to fence. Sweet potatoes, carrots, um, beets. Yeah, deer love beets. I guess since we're since we're uh, not recording this, we can do questions whenever. I don't feel like I've got enough time that I'm gonna be running out of time, so I'll take questions a few at least while we're going. Concerning deer, how high does the fence? Okay, I will get. I will like. After I go through this, I'll get to the, our actual fence and give you the dimension. Has it worked good for us? Okay. Um, so that's what we use. It's easy, or yeah, what we use is easy to put up. Um, you're just putting it around your, your select crops. It's pretty inexpensive, um, and it doesn't need a lot of maintenance. It, well, I mean, it really doesn't need any maintenance except um, sometimes when we put a, put a fencing up and then we don't have you know, something else that's going back in that, and we need to take the fencing down, it stays up for six months or a year, and then it's it's real trouble because you get grass that, because it kind of like lays out on the ground a little bit, and you get grass that grows up in it, and it's a real pain to take down. So if you do it, if you do, um, if you keep your, your fields mowed and stuff around it and stuff, it's very simple and easy to put up, take down, um, stuff like that. Um, the cons doesn't last forever. Um, it gets damaged more easily and then you continually have to take it up, take it, uh, put it up, take it down, which is not a, a huge con in my opinion. Okay. So then we'll get to what we actually use. Um, it's this seven and a half foot or 7.5, um, tall flex plastic deer fencing. Um, you can get it a lot of places. The, the last stuff that my dad bought, he bought um, just online from Home Depot. Um, he gave me a name that was like the proper name for it or whatever. This is what it, they called it um, on the Home Depot site. They called it Flex Plastic Deer Fencing. Um, and I just searched online like Plastic Deer Fencing and it was coming up with this um, Lots of places. So it's pretty easy to come by. The main thing that you have to um, watch out for is just getting something that's really flimsy. This stuff is pretty, um, it's pretty sturdy. And it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's not like thick plastic, but enough that a deer is not just going to like bust through it and it's not going to be ripping when you're trying to put, like you can't, you know, if we two people grab it and pull on it, you're not going to rip it. Like it's, it's pretty strong. Um, now we do, we do go through it mostly like, um, you know, hit it with a mower or weed eater or something. And so it doesn't last us forever, but I mean, it lasts us a good, you know, five or six years probably. Um, and if you get a little rip in it, we'll zip tie it and, you know, make it last a little longer. Um, no, no. It's, I'll, sh I'll give you some pictures of ours, like, up, but it's very easy. Yeah. Yeah. So you buy, it's like in rolls. Um, so, yeah, this stuff is, uh, on Home Depot's site, it was $225 for a 330-foot roll. So, it's, you know, it's relatively inexpensive. You need some T-posts to put it up and stuff. Um, so, 330-foot roll 
for $225. $225. Yes. Okay, so this is actually one of our fences around our strawberries. So we get an eight-foot T-post, pound it in like maybe 14, 16 inches, um, and then we use these T-post clips, um, put one at the top of the post, pretty close to the top, and then you just roll your fence out around. And we put our T-posts pretty far apart. Um, I think we have four there. So that's like 20, 25 feet apart. Maybe we have five. I don't know. I mean, 18 to 25 feet apart. So we don't put, for one of our, one of our fields, I think we only use um, 10 T-posts, 10 or 12 T-posts. Um, so you pound your T-post, then you put your, put your clip, just one clip on the top, um, and then you roll your fencing out all the way around, pull it up, clip it, clip it um, on the top, top of the fence on there, and then it, it lays out on the ground, um, maybe close to a foot probably. It kind of comes down and lays out. Um, and so it keeps, it keeps stuff from just being able to walk or push under it because it's laying out, out. So stuff can't, uh, from the inside, stuff can push out from, from, but the outside stuff can't really push in. Um, this left picture is like our corner where we start and end the fence. We'll put a clip at the top and the bottom so that you can clip it back up at the bottom. Um, and it's, it's like flimsy enough. It's, it's sturdy enough to stand up between those T-posts. I mean, you, when, you, when you're putting it up, you hook it on your one T-post, go to the next one, pull it pretty tight and hook it on. Um, so it stands up all the way, but it's flimsy enough that nothing can crawl up it. If it tries to crawl up, it'll just kind of like flop back over. So, um, it's not a sturdy enough, um, fencing for pests to, to crawl up. And we really haven't had any, any issue with deer, um, getting in this if it's put up properly. Now, sometimes we're a little sloppy. And we get a deer in there, but um, yeah. Any? Do we have questions? So this is um, this is my last slide on fencing. So if I haven't gone over something on fencing that's that you're questioning, um, ask me questions on fencing now. At the bottom, there you said the part that's kind of gold Yeah. So. You know, like I said, this is this fencing is primarily for deer, um, and we'll have you know around the strawberries. Like sometimes we'll get like possums and stuff late season once they figure out they're there, um, trying to get in there, and they can they can generally root around long enough to find some. You know, especially if you're if you keep your grass mown low, and the way we do this since we only got a clip at the top. It's super easy. You just walk around real quick, pick up the bottom, fold it up, clip it on the top. You can, you know, walk around your fence in two minutes and clip it up, and then you go around with the weed eater, and you're not, like, hitting your fence and stuff. So if you keep your grass mown down and your fence is in good condition without, like, rips and stuff, it'll keep pretty much anything out because it's laying down enough. It's flat on the ground. Um, stuff, you know, potentially could kind of nose under it, but for the most part, it's going to keep everything out. Um, yeah. 
Yes. So what length T posts do you use? Um, these are eight foot posts. I mean, you know, if you use the T-post, they've got the little, like, uh, w yeah, the little wedge thing on it. And so you're supposed to drive it till that's under the ground. And I would oh, say right, it's, right. I would say it's 16 inches or 18 inches. I don't know. Something like that. Is it still high enough to keep the deer? Yeah, we've never had deer jumping. I mean, people talk, I've heard plenty of people talking about deer jumping over eight foot fences and stuff. And if you have the problem with that, then I'm sorry. And I don't know. <laughs> I mean... Our deer just might not be that persistent because we don't have deer jumping over this. And it's, I mean, sometimes it like, we get it up not even that great and it's like kind of folded down in between the posts and stuff. And I mean, our deer are pretty, I don't know, I guess they're just not that intense. All right, we got one here. Yeah. Uh huh. So you use the same netting, but you put it up in a more permanent way. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There does seem to be some kind of, um, I don't know, like deer, just don't seem to like the fencing. I don't know if it's because they can get like tangled up in it or if it's just visually, it's kind of like hard for them to like tell like depth where it is and stuff. Yeah. But um, they definitely seem to, I mean, and we've got like our permanent fencing for our goats and stuff. It's not super tall. It's, you know, like a, I don't know, four and a half or something. And they'll jump right over it and they'll go in the pasture and stuff. But we don't have any real issue with them on what, you know, plots that we have this up um i think that on our on our plots which are 100 feet long we only put four posts which would be um or five 20 yeah 25 i don't know if that's right i feel like we put must put five because i feel like 12 posts is what we use per so you'd put five um down your side and then one in the middle on the end. Which So the ends are 15 feet between posts. The sides, um, well, it would, still would be 25 feet, even with five posts, because you got your end, your, yeah, it'd be 25 feet with five posts on 100 foot. So, um, yeah, so 25 feet is the furthest on the ends. We've got them 15 feet. Um, you, that's not, I mean, it's, that's what works for us, and it's, um, you know, if you're, if you're having more issue with deer, because it does kind of sag in the middle and stuff, you might need to put a little bit closer together so you get a more consistently tight and tall um, line. Any other questions on fencing? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So when it's stagging like that, it probably further discourages them mm-hmm. because they just can't tell will they get you know snagged on it or not. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I have no doubt that there's some kind of um something like that because um I mean even places where it's like down like on the corner here, if we don't put it back up or whatever and it's just kinda like rolled over on the corner, like they still don't really mess with it. Um even when it's you know when it's on the ground, if it's if it's like on the ground but it's like bubbled up or anything, they just don't like stepping there, you know, getting it, getting their hooves through it and whatever. So they really are are deterred by it. And then for the gate, you just like overlap that over and kind of hook it on one of those posts and then just open it up to. Yeah. So you the the picture here. Well, we don't we don't uh, we don't ever. Have you like try and get in there with our tractor and stuff when the when the fence is up? I mean, you can't. It's, you know, it's easy enough to pull down and whatever. But we, you know, once the plot is prepared, and we don't use a tractor a whole lot. But once the plot is prepared and planted, then we'll put our fence up and we'll take it down before we're pulling the crop out. Um, so yeah, we just have on the corner here. You just got your clip on the top and bottom instead of just on the top. Um, got it hooked there, and then you just hook it back on the bottom when you're done. Did, was it you? Okay. There's no wire. Yeah, it's just the plastic. But it's it's pretty tough. Um, not, I mean, I guess it probably does a, a little bit. You know, it'll, you know, some of the older stuff we have is a little bit more prone to, like, ripping and stuff. Um, but it's it's just something that we have as an expense every, you know, six, eight years, just whenever we kind of wear through. So yeah. you said it's mainly against deer, so what, what the animals can get through the fence? Um, you're saying what animals can get through the fence? It just depends on how, I mean, if it's put up like this, your grass is real short and stuff, um, there's not really going to be anything that can get through unless it's just really determined to get in there. Um, it'll be laying on the ground. You're not really going to have rabbits getting in there. Um, your corner potentially could be a, a weak spot where if something was really like walking the fence, um, they could come to that and potentially get in. So that might be um, somewhere that, you, that you'd have to you know, reinforce a little bit. But it's not sturdy enough for stuff to crawl over it. Um, so the only, the only stuff that could get in is things that kind of would like nose under it. Um, or, yeah, I mean, dig a little bit. Um, so maybe like a possum or armadillos, something that we have a lot of, um, or we used to have a lot of. You know, that's not really something we've struggled with that much. Um, when, when we first started farming, or, I mean, I guess it was, I think it was earlier even when my parents were just doing, like, um, more serious home gardening, we had one groundhog, like, I don't know if it was just probably not just one groundhog, but it was like one hole that was like really close to the garden. And, I mean, they tried all kind of stuff. And um, But, I mean, we have them around. Like, our neighbor across the road caught like eight of them in a week in his trap. But it's just not something we've really struggled with, thankfully. I don't know. 
I don't know what the, uh, what was that? Yeah, yeah, well, that was, yeah, he caught, like, two parents and then, like, a bunch of babies. Um, so, yeah, unless there's any other questions, we'll, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, and this fence is very versatile. I mean, you can put it up however you want. Uh, Mr. Myers said he had it up, you know, as a permanent fencing. Um, you can use like ground stakes, like uh, ground staples um, that are, you know, six, eight inches long and staple it in along the ground all the way around it. It just makes it more difficult to move. And for us, it's a very quick um, to put up and take down fencing. We're not trying to use it for permanent fencing, and we're really just trying to keep deer out. Around the strawberries, we... Will the wind move it, or...? No. No, I mean, maybe a little bit, but not enough to really affect anything, no. How much wind do you have? What was that? How much wind do you have? Not like here, Oklahoma or something, no. I mean, we have... Yeah, sometimes. I mean, we this this year we had like the worst kind of storms we've had since we've been farming. I mean, we had we had um, a couple greenhouses that got blown, and we had our tomato house in the spring. We had the the plastic blow off of it, and we replaced it, and then the plastic blew off of it like a week later. So we, but I mean, the fencing it doesn't it's. It doesn't have enough, like, to catch wind. Um, so, I mean, I don't think it would really be a problem even if you have strong winds. So, did you, did you have a question? Just to be a comment about the reason I'm interested in a movable fencing is because inevitably you need to get a tractor in there mm-hmm. and some other equipment. And if you've got something permanent, dealing with staples in the ground, mm-hmm. anything that inhibits you from being able to work the land, it's just going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure, yeah. So, I mean, I would say with this, we have it up, like I said, 30 by 100 plots. Um, I would say two people could take it down or put it up um, in fifteen minutes. And I don't think that's even really a stretch. Like, I feel like I could do it faster if I was really like trying to. You know, just like average working speed. You know, you have it's it's very helpful when you're rolling it up to have two people because it's seven and a half feet long. To so get one person, especially when you're starting your roll, if you're trying to start a roll by yourself, I mean, I've rolled so many of these up by myself, and the roll's like this big around when I'm done, and it's all like flimsy and stuff. If you have two people, you can you know each of you can be going on the end and getting a tight like core, and then once you have that, then it's pretty easy to uh, to get it up. But then, yeah. I mean, I, I would say, yeah, easily 15 minutes, and it'd be up or down. Um, yeah, but, I mean, I feel like even with the post, you have one, you know, lay them out, one person putting the post in, one person um, rolling the netting out. I mean, I think, and we pull, we have, like, a, a post puller. I don't know if you all have seen, I wish I had a picture of it, because it's, like, the most ingenious thing for pulling up T-posts. But, I mean, you can just get it at, like, tractor supply, but it's, like, this little lever thing. So it's got a, a post with a foot on the ground. Um, it's got a, a hinge and a pull. You, it hooks on the post, and you just and it pulls it up. So I mean, you just go along, grab the post, go to the next post, 
pull it up, and, and then you have someone else that's you know finishing putting them up and putting them in the tractor or something like that. So um, it's really quick. And for what was that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what we primarily are using it for. So um, if you're if you're somewhere you have like really rocky ground or something, it'll take a little longer for pounding in posts and stuff. But um, for the most part, it's it's pretty easy to put the posts in and stuff. So, all right, I think, yeah, I'll take your question. Um, that's the picture here on the left. We just, so where the, where the roll started, we'll go all the way back around. We just have a, the clip on the top and on the bottom. And so we'll just like unclip it on the bottom to walk in there. And then when we're done, we just clip it back on the bottom. So, I mean, there is kind of a gap there. And a lot of times, you have a little bit left open. You try and make it so it kind of like rolls around the corner a little bit, but um, that's just how we do it. It's pretty simple. So our um, and this is this is our threefold um, predator protection. So um, kind of going the last two, I guess, could be interchangeable. Our fencing is obviously the main thing that we put up around anything that we um, really are struggling with. But dogs um, are our second, um, our second source of predator protection. So we have multiple different dogs. This is our um, Great Pyrenees, Cabela, and she's a great dog. Um, we got her mostly for like our livestock, but um, they're they're really good dogs. So a dog is. I mean, low maintenance, you know, kind of sounds like bad. You know, I mean, you're taking care of the dog, but it's still low maintenance. I mean, um, there's not a whole lot, a whole lot you got to do. Um, constant alarm system and a companion friend. Um, so we have, we, we got many years ago, we got a rare breed of dog um, called a Karelian bear dog. They're from like Finland or something, but they have quite a few of them in the northwestern um, United States, and they use them for like evacuating, not evacuating, chasing out of like parks and stuff, grizzly bears. So they're, you know, pretty, pretty vicious little dogs. But yeah, if they've got like um, bears that they're having issue with, like in certain parks or whatever, instead of you know, getting rid of the bear, like shooting it or something, they'll just uh, send these dogs and kind of send it off to a to a different place. So we were trying to breed them. That didn't that didn't uh, go anywhere. So we had two of them. Um, our male died last year. I think he was really. I mean, he was probably like 16 years old or more. Um, we still have a female. They were great dogs. Um, we have a little like I don't even know what a little mutt stray dog um great dog she's like on her 12th life or something um she's been bit by rattlesnake twice and her head was like huge um we we like watched her get attacked by a deer it like jumped on her and like put its hoof right in her um we've run her over like straight over with our car i mean she's she's a little tank (laughs) So um, the the next slide, I have like some breeds, but really, it's I mean, for so this is this is what I have for breeds. This is right now. Uh, this picture was like maybe two days ago, but we got eight little puppies from our Pyrenees. 
Um, but the breeds that I have are Great Pyrenees, Anatolian Shepherd, and Marima. I think that's how you say it. But these, these breeds are more um, livestock breeds. So, like, especially if you have um, livestock that you're wanting protected, these breeds um, do especially good with that. Um, that's why we have our Great Pyrenees. But some of our other ones um, are do just as well. Um, on guarding our crops, really, like, and uh, so, yeah, I said most large breeds, and I mean, it doesn't have to be, like, the large breed, the one dog that I was saying is, uh, lasted forever, I mean, she's pretty small, she's, like, maybe, I don't know, 20 pounds, she's a pretty small dog, and she's, she's vicious, um, so, yeah, it's really, it's really one of those things that if you, if you're guarding your crops and some livestock and stuff, these breeds are pretty good. But as far as just, like, breeds for um, guarding, like, chasing away animals and stuff, it's, I mean, Jack Russells, they're, they're a feisty little dog. Um, I mean, I feel like they're, like, rabbit hunting dogs or something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can, you can adopt a, go to the shelter or something. It's, most most dogs, if raised, um, you know, outside and stuff like that, it's kind of their natural instinct, so it mostly works. Do you have a question? Yeah, quick, real quick. I don't know really much about dogs. I see your list here. So I'm Joshua. Yes. Okay. Joshua, we have a, um, he's like a pit boxer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he has to attack them until my husband has to go out and shoot them and put them out of their misery. And do these other types do that too, or just, just bark and keep them away? Uh, I mean, I don't, it's kind of, I guess that's kind of part of it. I mean, on on our farm, like, we don't, I mean, we don't have that much. I, we we struggle with, like, possums and stuff, eating our strawberries and stuff like that. So most, I mean, the rabbits, our dogs sometimes get. That's a little bit trickier for a dog to catch. Um, armadillos, they'll get a lot. Possums, they'll get a lot. Um, other than that, we don't, there's not really anything that we, that they're, like, um, killing, attacking that we wouldn't necessarily want them to. But that is kind of part of the, part of the territory of a dog. You can't really, like, train it to, you know, attack this and not this. Um, so, you know, deer, we don't really have them, like, taking down deer. I mean, I know there's dogs that can and will, we, but none of our dogs will. Um, and, you know, for the most part, we're just trying to get them to chase them out. And um, Our Pyrenees, she does more chasing than actually, like, attacking our other dogs, I think, will kill more stuff than she does. Um, she's kind of funny, like, um, in the field, she'll chase deer. As soon as they get into the woods, she just turns around. But there's, I don't, I mean, that's not necessarily a Pyrenees thing. Because um, also people talk about Pyrenees being, like, huge wanderers and chasing stuff forever. And um, So really, it's... Um, there's there's breeds you know you can do some research and there's breeds that um, 
are going to be potentially better than others, but it's it's a little bit more dog to dog, and for the most part, um, most dogs that are raised outside um, are going to naturally have that instinct to chase animals. Um, so we, I mean, our dogs have killed countless armadillos and um, possums and stuff. Our cats kill rabbits. That's that's pretty impressive. I don't know how, but our cats will bring back rabbits that are bigger than them. <laughs> yeah, I have a question. I think Labrador retrievers, at least they're worthless. They're not good for chasing dogs, um, chasing animals away. Okay, so don't get a lab. <laughs> We've never struggled with that. Um, if anybody didn't hear, he was asking about the dogs eating the crops. Um, we've never struggled with that. Um, the only thing that we have struggled with is that, for whatever reason, our dogs are like savers of their food. <laughs> they'll kill something and they'll go bury it. And sometimes they bury it in the garden. And so they'll be like, you'll, <laughs> you'll walk into your field or something and there'll be like this nice bed of something and in the middle it'll just be like all dug up and you'll just know like okay there's something there so you got to go there and pull out and there'll be a possum or something um i have seen our dogs like just grab a possum and it you know possums play dead and then they just like instantly went and buried it (laughs) so that we've we've struggled more with um with our dogs like kind of tearing it up a little bit but we feel like it's minimal compared to what the the you know armadillos or whatever would you know how much they would root it up so yeah any other no it's okay i don't have like a ton of stuff so i'm happy to answer questions and be able to meet like individual needs I don't, our dogs are like genius. I don't know. I mean, our Pyrenees, I guess maybe less. We haven't we haven't really had a lot of issue in the garden. But the curly and bear dogs we had, you could watch them. They would like go from the yard and like literally like back into the bushes, like just right into the bushes and just go to the bathroom and then walk out. Like it was amazing. So we never really had any issue. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, but so I mean, like everyone, so this is not, it's not a big deal now. Um, so yeah, and I would say like some of the some of the dogs that we've had over the years, and like just um, what I've heard from other people, what I've seen from other people, a lot of times just like a good old mutt is like you know, well, I mean, do better than most purebred, you know, something or other. Um, and a lot of times they're much a much stronger and healthier dog. A lot of times pure purebred dogs you can you can get like some some more issues. Um, just I don't know, but that's what I've seen. So um, so the the third third part of our third fold um, is hunting. And this is a quote from Mrs. White, just to uh, ease ease anybody's questions. This earth has been cursed because of sin, and in these last days, 
vermin of every kind will multiply. These pests must be killed or they will annoy and torment and even kill us and destroy the work of our hands and the fruit of our labor. Um, and there is that, uh, I guess it's selected messages, third selected messages, 329. Um, there is like quite a bit more below this. Um, she, she was talking, this section is actually called like spraying fruit trees or something. And she talks about like, um, a lot of insects, but she also mentions like mammals and stuff. So, um, that's, that's that. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a lot, like quite a bit more that's quite interesting to read. Yes. I have a comment about that. Um, we have a problem with deer. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was concerned about shooting deer out of deer. Mm-hmm. And I was told by Missouri Conservation, you can shoot a deer any time of the year, if they're in your garden mm-hmm. or your orchard eating your food, mm-hmm. yeah. you have a right to kill them. Yeah, that's something my dad was was asking me about, just like wanted to make sure I wasn't promoting doing anything illegal and stuff. Um, and that's good to know. And I'm sure, you know, potentially different states are, are different. But I think for the most part, um, that is true, that if it's, if it's in your um, if it's in your in your field causing harm to your uh, crops and stuff, um, there's exemption for that. And you know it may it may or may not be your kind of thing. We haven't actually had to deal with any of that shooting deer, but like um, it, it 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 doesn't have to be a waste. It can be dog food. You know, I, I have friends that um, almost solely feed their dogs fresh meat through the winter um, and don't pay anything for it. So, you know, that, that, doesn't, that might ne- not necessarily be your thing. You've got to freeze it and do that kind of stuff. But it doesn't have to go um, wasted. Yeah. The question. Yeah. Yeah, if, if that's something that you um, feel like may be an issue for you, um, you know, getting in trouble for, definitely can document, you know, and, and I think that should more than uh, cover your back. Yeah. You don't have hogs in there, right? I do not, no. I, I uh, yeah, I don't envy you all, I don't know if you have them here, or, but I mean, I know Texas is full of them. But uh, yeah, hogs, I, that's not something that I have dealt with. And we are, I mean, they are in Tennessee, and there was a record one shot this year that was massive. Um, so I've seen them in Tennessee, but they're not on our property yet, and I don't, uh, I don't look forward to that. We, we had uh, the miniature version of an armadillo um, that we uh, maybe like, I don't know, 15 years ago or something, we didn't have any armadillos, um, and now they're just everywhere, you know, and so they'll, they'll dig it up, but nothing compared to a hog. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, dogs, you know, and when you're, when you're talking about hogs versus rabbits, then you might really want a larger breed dog, because, you know, they're old, you know, they can hurt hurt dogs and stuff. So we do not. No, no. Um, so you know, if if 
having a gun, being around guns and something is not something that you've grown up with. It's something to take seriously. Um, and it's not, you know, well, people, you know, I enjoy target shooting and stuff like that. They can be fun, but it's not a toy. Um, and so if it's something that you're new to, you know, educate yourself. Don't, you know, don't wish you'd educated yourself. You know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of stuff you can learn online. Um, if you feel like it, you can go to a gun safety class, um, anything like that. But just, just take it seriously because they are, you know, dangerous if used in the wrong way. Um, so that's the one thing. Educate yourself before you, before you, uh, you know, go doing something you wish you hadn't. <laughs> um, and then spend time, like, learning, target shooting, stuff like that. You, you know, the last thing you want to do is cause an animal undue, you know, even though you are trying to, you know, kill an animal, you're not trying to cause it undue um, pain and, you know, pain to yourself. So learn to shoot well before you go out and shoot an animal, you know, in its leg and it runs off and may live for another week. Um, you know, just, just take, take the time to educate yourself and learn, um, so that you can execute, um, your desired, your desired shot correctly and not, not causing undue, um, pain to animals. Okay. So, um, I'm going to go through, and I'm not, I didn't grow up. My parents didn't grow up with guns, and it, it, uh, you know, it was. It took a little bit of of convincing with my dad, and you know, he's 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 come around, and he's the one that gave me that quote to put up, um, and he definitely definitely feels the need of it. And it is it is more or less our um, kind of la- our kind of you know least um, used way of. Um, protecting from pests, but um, nonetheless, it is it is used. So I'm not. I didn't grow up with it. I'm not at all like an expert on guns, and I'm sure there's you know those here that know a lot more than me. Um, but if you don't know anything, it can be a little bit like daunting because there is a zillion different you know different guns and different uh, things. So I'm going to go through. Um, the three that that we use the most, and as already stated, we do not have hogs, and so none of them are extremely high-powered rifles. You know, if you're out here with hogs, you might need like a you know 223AR or something. Um, but ours is m- more or less um, raccoons or smaller. Um, so the most classic, um, easiest to come by would be a 22 caliber, extremely inexpensive to shoot um, and relatively inexpensive to pur- purchase um, if you can find anything nowadays. I mean, there's, yeah, at least in our area, all the shelves are empty, so it's, <laughs> it's inexpensive to shoot if you can find ammunition. Um, they're great for small animals, um, they're, yeah, they're just great to learn on because, as stated, they're inexpensive to shoot. They're not, like, loud and just obnoxious. Um, and you got to range up to 100 yards, you know. I mean, that's give or take, depending on your, your skill and your time put into it. Um, 
So I put up the Ruger 10.22, probably the uh, just the number one. Um, there's plenty. I mean, there's tons of different kinds of 22, but that's probably the uh, the number one um, 22 caliber rifle. Um, and then a 17 HMR, um, also good for small pests, but um, the 22 has like a a bullet speed of like 1,200 feet per second. The 17 HMR is twice that, 2,400. So um, it reaches a lot further um, with more accuracy. So if you're um, if you're struggling with like rabbits or something, and they're just really skittish, you can't get anywhere close to them. You just see them across the field. It may be a a uh, a better choice. Um, range up to 200 yards. I mean, it can. You got to reach further if you really are steady and good. Um, a little bit more expensive than a 22 to shoot, um, but not, you know, nothing extreme. Um, and the bottom, there's two different um, Ruger 777-17. Um, I'm not sure about that one. The Savage is the one that I have. Um, but, yeah, there's that. And then a shotgun. Very versatile. Um, you have a large variety of, of shell options. And I, I mean, I don't even know um, all of them. But um, with your basic, you know, smaller shot, bird shot, um, if you're trying to, if you have an issue with like maybe crows or things, you know, um, that's, just a, that's just a great... Um, you know, it's a it's a a shell for anybody that doesn't know that's packed with BBs um, of various sizes. But so you've got you know maybe half an inch or up to an inch of shell that's packed with BBs, so it disperses it. So you know, and you can have different like um, chokes on the end that changes your um, disperse, but um, like a bird that's flying and stuff, you can, you know, out at 50 yards, you might have a, you know, a pretty decent size, um, disperse. So if you're, if you got, um, you know, rabbits that sometimes, um, in our, like in our greenhouses and stuff, we'll have rabbits in there and they'll come like streaking out. Um, and it's much easier to just, uh, get a hit on them than if you're, trying to scope them in or something with a single shot um, kind of rifle. Um, so that range is generally around 50 yards. You know, you can get shots that are a solid um, a uh, slug or like a buckshot or something that's going to reach further. Um, but those two, the Remington 870 and the Mossberg 500, which is what I have, um, are some of the more popular but that just gives you a little bit of an overview if you really, um, if it's something that you wanted to get but you didn't have um, really an idea. Hopefully that gives a little bit of, of insight and there's plenty of, of research that you can do. Um, so we probably have like five more minutes-ish. Um, so do you have any questions? Yes.
I, I use it for um, chickens. I have a... Uh, Oh, I didn't know it was being recorded. Okay. Um, the question was on, on uh, electric fencing. So I use electric fencing for, for my chickens, um, and I'm moving it weekly. Um, so, but it's like a netting. Um, so that, that has to be, if you're using like a netting electric fence, it's got to be kept you know the grass under it has to be kept very short because you got you got hot wires that are very close to the ground so since i'm moving it very regularly it makes it makes it easier um if you're talking about just like a strand electric fence we haven't we haven't done that a lot um yeah we just we haven't really used electric fence much so yeah yes Not not where we live, no. Um, they're in the eastern part of Tennessee, but not where we live, in the back. I'll get you after. I just wanted to tell folks, if you uh, have an animal that you need to shoot, there's usually neighbors who, who will shoot it for you. That, that is an option, yes. And the other option I was going to, um, I was going to just say is also trapping. Um, some people prefer that. That can be harder, Um because you gotta, you know, you gotta entice your animal to get in a trap. Um, if it's a groundhog or something, you got the hole there. You might be able to do it. But um, I got, you, yep. You know the greenhouses where the sides Keep stuff from jumping in the sides. We don't. Uh, the question is on greenhouses. Do we use anything to keep stuff jumping in the sides? We don't. Um, for the most part, throughout the summer and everything, our doors are wide open anyways. So, um, but we don't have any, really, we don't have any issue with, like, deer and stuff in the greenhouses. Yes? Yeah, one more question here. I've heard it uh, that if you put a radio in your garden, just to have constant noise mm-hmm. there, that also mm-hmm. the- we We had, like, the forever ago, we had this... Um, contraption that was supposed to be like a cougar scream it was like a little uh just i mean kind of like a radio but every like 10 minutes it would go off and it worked for like two nights and then they just kind of like got used to it <laughs> the cougar never came so they came back and so yeah was there someone else yes Um, I've, I've, I've heard, um, stuff like that, but we haven't really dealt with it. And, um, I feel like it's the same kind of thing that we dealt with, with the sugar scream thing. I feel like it's something that, um, if an animal can get just like used to it and, you know, they realize that smell's not bringing them any harm, then they kind of get used to it. Yes. You can purchase a, um, this gentleman's question, you can purchase a, a bottle, and it's called Box Urine, and it's manufactured, mm-hmm. I don't really know what's in it, but I used it as a uh, invisible fence around my garden. Uh-huh. 
and it was up in Wisconsin, but I didn't, there was a lot of deer. We were out in the country with woods nearby. And that worked no pretty deer, good? No raccoon, nothing with that fox. Okay. Okay, she was talking about fox urine, um, bottle of it. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely an option. We, we haven't really um, haven't really tried that, but it's would definitely be something worth. I think there was someone over. Yes. Do you have experience with um, solar powered, uh, motion activated spotlights or sprinklers to keep those pests just kind of away from your garden out of your yard? I've heard that can be effective on coyotes and hogs and other animals. Uh huh. Yeah, we have not. Um, We've not done that. I think that, um, at least for where we live, it's damp enough that you definitely wouldn't want any kind of solar-activated sprinkler. Um, lights, potentially, or some kind of, like, noise siren something. Um, a, like, a motion-sensing kind of thing. Um, potentially could work for us. You know, we're on a big enough plot of land, you know, that there'd have to be a, have to be a lot of them around to keep the area clear. <laughs> Okay, you had a question. Yeah, there's lots of different um, different techniques like that that you can try and put out to uh, to a deter. I mean, for us, the fencing has um, has worked well. We've tried other things previously, um, you know. And every area, you know, you're going to deal with a little bit different um, different stuff. I don't know if we. I don't know if there's anything else. I think we probably should close it up since we're a few minutes after. I don't know if there's something that people are needing to get to. Um, I mean, I'll be here. I'm happy to talk to anybody else that has questions, but I think we should probably close it up for uh, for the seminar. So thank you all for, uh, for being here and hope I was able to uh, answer some of your questions. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.